Are you ready for retirement? Do you feel comfortable about your years of retirement? Many women don't feel ready or have some questions that need to be answered. Welcome to Women Seeking Blissful Retirement with Maria Lucasen. We've got some amazing guests and terrific ideas to make sure you are preparing and enjoying retirement. Now, here's your host, Maria Lucasen. Yes, hello. Welcome to the day shows of Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, welcome. The show is uh, for all listeners and you are worldwide. I have seen that you are living in the United States, in Canada, but also in Australia and even in China or Vietnam. So welcome, welcome. I'm so happy that my audience is worldwide, as well as that you have made time today to listen to this show about retiring and all the information and inspiration that I have for you to work on that next chapter in your life. So um, it's my great pleasure to do this series of shows on a monthly basis that can help you plan and prepare for that next chapter in your life. So my name is Maria Lukasen and I'm excited. Yes, uh, as a retirement coach, I help women find joy and meaning in retirement. Ideally, we make plans before starting the next phase in life. After working for 40 years, I want to be able to do what I want, when I want, and where I want. So that's my idea of retirement. And at the same time, I see how opening up about this by me gives many women a new perspective about retiring. And I am compelled to use my voice to bring awareness and motivate women to choose a vibrant lifestyle in their next chapter. That's, I feel, is the legacy I want to leave. And if you are retiring this year, or maybe you did it last year, and have not prepared for the changes in this chapter in life, but would like to be, make it the best time of your life, then I invite you to join me in my 90-day group program that is called Next Chapter Roadmap. And it starts in August. So if this resonates with you, please send me an email to maria at marialukassenhq.com for more details. Yes. So as always, I want to start our radio show with an affirmation for this month. So for anybody that doesn't know what an affirmation is, here is my explanation. An affirmation opens the door. It's the beginning to point on the path to change. In essence, you are saying to your subconscious mind, I am taking responsibility. I am aware that there is something I can do to change. When I talk about doing affirmations, I mean consciously choosing words that will either help eliminate something from your life or help create 
something new in your life. Affirmations are like seeds planted in soil, poor soil, poor growth, rich soil, abundant growth. So the more you choose to think thoughts that make you feel good, the quicker the affirmations work. So for today, the affirmation that I have is don't let feeling behind today stop you from building the life you want tomorrow. And that's from a blog called The Financial Diet. So I like this because it's giving you uh, motivation to keep um, progressing, to look for ways how you can improve your life for tomorrow, even if today is not yet how you want it to be. So then I'm gonna introduce to you now my guest speaker for today. And I'm so happy that she has time to talk with us about a really very important topic where I know a lot of women, not just in the United States where I live, but all over the world, think of uh, a lot and where they have uh, sometimes struggle with and also are anxious about that idea when it comes to retirement. So my speaker today is Carol Linehan and she is a financial advisor. Carol, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. I am excited about talking with your listeners and sharing some ideas of my 46 years in this wonderful business. Yes. So let me continue with giving our listeners a quick audience. It's a very short one. And then we go right away in the questions. So Carol graduated from Florida State University and has a master's degree in guidance and counseling from the University of Georgia. She recently added another master's degree in metaphysics and is fulfilling a lifelong dream of getting her PhD. And as you heard Carol say, she has 46 years of financial counseling experience with the latest strategies for an expansive and stable retirement. Carol is well known for the creation and teaching of dozens of financial empowerment classes in Sarasota, Florida, and nationally. Her background as a published author, speaker, and industry leader through the economy ups and downs is priceless. She is a financial advisor um, because she likes to talk with people that uh, they uh, in meetings, they are often embarrassed that they don't have saved more or they don't have a plan. So Carol's teaching is warm, educational and an empowering experience. You matter. Carol helps you see your situations and resources in a new, more meaningful light with strategies to maximize your retirement income and live the life you love. Who I love that statement, Carol. That's where we want to talk about today, that in retirement, living the life you love. And 
many people, many women is my main audience, but I know there might be some men listening as well. They have big concerns when we talk about retiring. And often I hear, um, what if I run out of money or um, will I be a burden to my children financially because I didn't save enough? So what can you say about reducing those two major concerns that maybe quite a few of our listeners might have? Well, let me first of all thank your audience for listening in. A lot of people won't take the time to learn. And I have a saying that I've used for years, and that's that um, when you get good information, you can make good decisions. So I would hope that your audience has a, a pen and a piece of paper and takes a few notes because I tend to put things in in numbers, one, two, three, four, or something like that. So I'm going to give four ideas. I call them tips to help deal with not running out of money and not being a burden on your children. The first one is do your research. Find out the best time for you to take your social security if you're here in the United States. A lot of people think, well, I'll just take it at 62 when I can take it and maybe social security will run out, but I'll just get my money now. The problem with that is, Maria, that when you take money early, you're losing money. And if you can wait past your full retirement age to age 70, you will in fact double your income. Now, when you're in your 60s, that may not seem real important. But let me tell you, when you're in your 70s or 80s or even 90s, having double the income from Social Security will make the difference between you having the lifestyle you want, possibly, or running out of money. The second one is, and people don't like this particularly, but have safe investments, particularly when you are getting close to retirement. By safe uh, investments, that means you're going to have at least half of your portfolio or your IRA or your 401k in places where you will not lose money. Now, people used to think savings accounts or bonds were the place, but those don't pay very much anymore. But what does pay a competitive rate are modern annuities. And you can talk with an insurance advisor or financial advisor and find out what would be best for you. But these programs are designed to give you a good return, but no loss of principal and no loss of your gains. So it's kind of like the, the tortoise and the hare. You don't have to have a fast, flashy investment to get to the finish line uh, safely. And the other part is we've had our market in the United States drop dramatically. And when it does, people are used to, well, it'll come back. Well, it does. But during that time that it's down and then while it's crawling back up to at least even, you have what's called the lost opportunity cost. That money is not earning you anything. It's, you're just getting back to even. So be aware of that. 
The third tip I have for not running out of money or being a burden on your children is to work later than the standard age 65 retirement. We're all living to into our 80s and 90s, even people into their 100s. And that's a long time. If you retire at 65, that's a long time to not be as active as you were in your working years. And it's a long time to have to live on your savings. So if you love what you're doing, keep doing it and save more money than when you are not working. Now, some people say, well, Carol, I'm getting tired. Uh, I'm 65. This is hard to be working 40 or 50 hours a week. Well, be in charge of your own life. Keep working, but cut your hours back. And most employers are very agreeable to have a real good mature employee and let them have a flex schedule, maybe three-day weekends or uh, maybe just a 30-hour week. And, you know, I've never seen a tombstone that said he worked 60-hour weeks. <laughs> no, I've not seen that either. That's, uh, that's a funny one, Carol, that I, I uh, didn't realize, but it makes sense, really. Um, you can put in all the hours that you want, and um, it, it, you don't have time to live, really, your life if you keep working uh, 50, 60 hours a week. And I, I love it that you say people can work longer at 65 because... The retirement can be indeed a long period of 20, 25, maybe even 30 years, especially when you are in your early 60s still. So we are at least the majority of people that I know are still active physically and, and also their mind. They are not ready to retire in the old fashioned way. But uh, you don't have to work, like you say, a full week. And maybe if you didn't like what you were doing, then look for something else that is going to keep you busy. And if you want to uh, make money with it, uh, get paid for it, that's okay. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. If you don't need to, then um, there are lots of opportunities to volunteer. So, yeah, working, uh, if you need money, for sure, stay working. Um, I know quite a few who did. And um, I think the, a very important point that you made is waiting for social security until you are 70. Um, because you don't know how long you will live and you don't know uh, if you always will have support if you're married from a spouse that is also collecting social security. But if it is just you, then you probably will be happy to get a bigger paycheck from uh, the government uh, when you finally retire and are in your 70s or 80s. Yes, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah. So I, I, I like the points that, that you made. Um, investment piece is a little bit uh, often difficult for people to understand, especially if you're talking about the markets going up and down. And even if it gets back, you lost 
the possibility to gain money in that period of time. Yeah, so that is in a way lost, uh, lost money uh, that you had for that period of time. So um, I wanted to uh, talk with you a little bit about you are doing a class on helping people who are ready or close to retiring to look at their uh, situation, how they can get ready for when something happens. So you are teaching a four week virtual class on taking responsibility now. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you see that the people who take this class um, get out of it and where they struggle with? Well, I thank you for asking because I'm starting a new class on Monday night. Oh, and wow. The teacher gets excited. Uh, I've yes. done this. I've done this class about five times and I, it's different every time because I learn all the time. And what I do is share these things that I'm learning with people. And so one of the things that that I have to face with people when I invite them to the class is they say, oh, I'm good. I, I'm all set. And I say, well, tell me about that. Well, I have a will or I have a living trust. Well, right. that's only about 3% of what needs to be done. I have a 60 point checklist that I put together to help people uh, know the things that need to be done so they don't leave a mess. And when I first started doing this, I called the course, parents don't leave your kids a mess. Well, they thought that was a little stern, but you know, this is a topic <laughs> no one likes to talk about. They're uncomfortable talking about it. And so this, uh, class helps people feel better about taking action and getting their affairs in order. And it's not just old people that die or have accidents. It, it happens to younger people. And so yeah. I, I've heard that if you're 18 years and older, you should have some kind of like a will uh, so that at least any assets that you have uh, our people know how to distribute them. And um, one of the things that I tell a story about, and here in my office, I work out of my home, and I look out my window, and there's a house, and that was where a friend of mine lived. And she uh, was diagnosed with stage four cancer. This is a single woman. She had no family around. She had outlived three husbands. And so as she was unfortunately <clears throat> not winning the battle with cancer, <clears throat> I said, you know, I think you ought to get your affairs in order. I teach classes on this and I'll help you. And I can remember and see it right now. She put her hands to her face and said, oh, I can't think about that now. And she didn't. And wow. so a few months went by and I got a phone call from her doctor's office saying she had missed her appointment. Would I check on her? And so I went over to her house. Would you believe the door opened when I put my hand on the door uh, handle yeah. and I went in and she had fallen. Oh. And I suspect she had been on the floor for a couple of days. 
because this was Wednesday night and I had seen her on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, you know, people, you need to get 911 there, not try to help them yourselves. And so she got to the hospital and unfortunately she died on Saturday at noon. And at five o'clock that day, her a good friend from Texas arrived in Sarasota to help her get things in order. And I had to tell her friend, it's too late. And I also could not let her friend in the house because technically she w- this house was basically closed until an executor got appointed and was able to start taking charge. Mm-hmm. The real sad part is that the attorney, uh, I remember the name of the attorney that she had. And so when I went into the house, I was looking for a will, but I couldn't find it. She said everything was in a safe box, safety deposit or uh, her will, uh, her yeah. safe. Yeah. And there was nothing in the safe. <clears throat> so I remember the attorney's name. I called him. He sent me the will. But he just he took over the settling of the estate with a woman that she had named as her executor. Okay. And he sent his, I call them the goon squad. They had a big uh, trash bin, you know, a semi-trailer. The men took everything out of the house, the good furniture. They broke the legs off, the doors off, filled that trash bin and then on a Friday afternoon at 5.30, I remember it pulled out with everything she had ever owned. So sad, so sad. So I just, that's one of the reasons <clears throat> I keep doing this class is to help people know that you do have to plan. You can't put it off. Ooh, that's a, a story that is devastating. If you hear what can happen, if you pass away and you have not thought of uh, what is going to happen to the things that mean so much to you on a daily basis. And, and, and it's sad to hear that an attorney didn't have the sympathy and um, also didn't want to go about this case in a different way as just bringing in uh a trash company to remove everything in there that I could take out. I mean, that's the last thing that you would hope that would happen to all your belongings. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned this here. And I hope uh, any of our listeners um, now gets the idea that there is much more than just writing this piece of paper, what is called the vessel of a trust, but that you have to have other things in place uh, of um, what needs to happen when, uh, when you are not capable anymore to take action yourself or to make decisions yourself. Um, I, uh, I really appreciate that um you have a class about that so i'm not in the sarasota area so i can't come to you or is it virtual it is virtual so we have people from all over the country okay yes okay that's good that's good then um well uh i think it's the time that uh 
the podcast is airing might be too late for it, but I know for sure you will do it again at another time in the future. So anybody that is interested, please go on Carol's website and you will see when the next class is happening. So, but that brings me to another question. I am a single woman. So for me, I know that I need to take care of everything. But what if you have a spouse and your spouse dies before you go? What, what do you suggest uh, that, that people do if, if something like that would happen? You know, <clears throat> this has happened so often. Yeah. And I'm, I'm single as well. And I have been in some online dating services. And I'm amazed at how many men are survivors or widowers. Yeah. And that the, their wives pass away first. But what we know is that in a married couple, one will die first. And that leaves the one, the one that's left to do the finances, to do the house, to do all the things that they usually did as a couple. Yeah. And so a story that I use that will help people understand about doing early planning. And I'm talking about early planning You've gotten married, you've kind of gotten through maybe paying down wedding bills and school loans, and then you're saying, well, we need to start some saving for our own retirement. That can be in your 30s or 40s, 50s, and that's when you can plan for when there is one. I had a, a dear friend from college. She lived in Atlanta, she and her husband, and he owned a very thriving business. And I used to go visit them after I moved here to Sarasota from Denver. And it was a quick weekend visit. And one weekend I was there and they were gloomy. And I said, what's going on? And her husband had to sell his business because someone had not paid a large bill. And it caused them to have to sell his business. And he, when he did that, he lost his life insurance. And so I said, well, you need some life insurance so I can put term insurance, which will be inexpensive. And then you can't live with term insurance all your life. So we'll make it a permanent policy when your finances get a little more stable. And so we put half a million dollars of term insurance on him. And would you believe, Maria, in about two years, he had a massive heart attack, Oh wow! almost died. And he was not healthy from there on. And so after a, at the end of five years, when we had to make that term insurance permanent, we converted it. And he was a standard rate because he had bought that early insurance when he was healthy. And so the permanent insurance then was about $500 a month. And his wife worked part-time to pay that premium. She knew how important that was. I'm not sure she really knew how important it was because while I was uh, on a church tour to ch uh, China, um, I found out in an email that he had died. Yeah. And so we, lots of their friends were out of the country then. It was in the summer. We all got back. We had the memorial. I filed the death benefit claim and she got a check for $500,000 within about a month of his death. 
Wow. And they asked me as a friend and financial advisor to look over her finances. Yeah. And I yeah. found that he had been uh, taking money out of his IRA to keep up their lifestyle. Okay. So if they had not had, she, if she had not had this extra 500000 she would have had to sell her house, go back to work, and not have the lifestyle that they were used to. She might have run out of money and become a burden on her children. But with the life insurance, she was able to stay in her home. She was able to have those Thanksgiving dinners where all the family and children came that she was so uh, proud of. And now she's in a retirement community that's very upscale okay. because the money was the money was there. Right. So I just tell your listeners that life insurance isn't just for young families to replace income. It's for older families for when there is one. Okay. I I'm so happy that you talk about this because I have always been looking at uh, life insurance, indeed, like you say, for young families. When you have children and you have to take care of them, that they can go to college and do all their things, it's good to have life insurance. But after that, you don't need it anymore. And you see me, I at that time, I was not looking really ahead to the, the period of being retired of the period of for many married couples that I would be living all by themselves because the, the one other person, the spouse had passed away. So I'm, this is uh, something I've not often heard of that you can, um, when you have a life insurance uh, in your um, older um, phase of life, and somebody passes away out of your family or somebody, your spouse passes away that you then can have that kind of money as um, an investment or however you wanna use it, but that you get it paid out. Wow, that's uh, so um, important to know for everybody who's listening, who is married and who has a spouse to make sure that you have a life insurance. Um, so that is really, and would you do the life insurance on both people, on both names, or would you do just on, 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 on one person or on each individual? How would you do, set that up? You know, Maria, there's all kinds of life insurance. I don't recommend term insurance when you're older because it runs out typically after 20 years. And that would be when you want it. But you can find through a good agent, a life insurance policy on both the husband and the wife. And this is where you, you make a priority. If you're wanting your spouse, either male or female, to continue their lifestyle after one is gone, then that's a priority. And it means you don't take an extra vacation or you don't buy the new car or get the new carpets you put your money where that that remaining person is going to have their pride and dignity in their later life. So it is affordable. You don't have to buy whole life. You can buy something called universal life that's inexpensive. 
Uh, and if you're healthy, now, if you're not healthy, then there are other things you have to do. And um, we can talk about that later if we have time. So, uh, okay. No, I just wanted to see because uh, I'm glad that you make the distinction here because term life and universal uh, life insurance, that's already good to know for everybody who is in the United States and listening. And um, yes, and the, the, the final details, uh, I think you gave them a, a, a few handy tips how to go about it. So yes, I, I, I think um, if we have time, we can get back on it later. But I have so much more to ask you because uh, when we are retiring, you say, okay, there are, um, there are four legs of retirement planning. And um, my, uh, the one that I want you to talk about is really and that probably has a little bit to do with all the others that we talked about is long-term care protection, because uh, that probably will give our listeners a lot of kind of security feeling if they know what to do when that would happen. So what can you say about that? You know, just before we started this podcast, I was checking emails and things, and one of them was that, uh, Americans now are really, really fearful of the rising health costs. Yeah. And they, unless you've had to pay for someone to come in for home care, you don't know what that costs. And, you know, one of the things that I have, uh, I hear all the time is, particularly if I'm talking with a couple and asking them if they have long-term care insurance and the husband will always say well i won't need that uh or my wife will take care of me and this is a six foot three man with a five foot tall wife i i chuckle or my my kids will take care of me well all of those are can be uh very false uh 75 percent of us are going to need some kind of care in our lifetime and we can all try to be very healthy, but something will happen. And for instance, I have a, a friend uh, that fell last summer and broke his shoulder oh. and had to have surgery. And he went to obviously the hospital, had the surgery, they sent him to rehab. He didn't like the rehab. So he went home too early and he fell again and broke his hip. So then he had to have surgery for that and repair his shoulder again. Now, fortunately, he had long-term care insurance. And so the long-term care paid for half of his bills when he went home. Now, when he went home, because he'd fallen twice, his son just said enough. His son ordered care 24-7. Ooh. That was $20,000 a month. Fortunately, the insurance paid half. But then after two months, the son realized this is getting to be even 10000 is a lot every month. So the son moved uh, my friend to Texas where he is so he could be close by. And he, they found a very charming house with a nurse and nutritionist but that's eighty thousand dollars a year 
Fortunately, the long-term care insurance pays half of that. But in less than a year, his estate, his money, his checking account has dropped by $100,000 to pay his part. So people need to ask themselves, you know, do I have an extra hundred thousand or do, and if it's dementia or Alzheimer's, that can go on five, six, seven years. So ask, do you have that kind of money? And unless you're very wealthy, most people don't have that. So that's a, a tough answer. But again, this is about planning and deciding what kind of lifestyle you want at the beginning of your retirement toward the end of your your life. Yes, uh, and uh, I, I agree with you that um, you don't know what will happen and when you need care. And um, there are quite a lot of spouses and children who are caregiver and their lives are, I don't want to say totally ruined, but it has a big impact on their life if you have to take care of somebody else uh, because they cannot uh, live by themselves anymore. And it, it's just not really what I, if I would have kids, what I would like my kids to do for me, I but that's that's just me and uh, i have a long-term care policy because i thought about it uh, 20 years ago 15 20 years ago so i think um the sooner you start of course it makes a difference in in, in what you are uh are paying for this kind of insurances and, and it is like with everything else you get insurance you don't know if you need it but just in case that you would need it, it's there. So you're, you're yeah. so right about family members getting their health and their work and their marriages destroyed by having to take care of a, a parent. And um, if at all costs, if you can prevent that, that is really a gift of love you give your children. Exactly. Um, so uh, I know and I'm paying for it. It's uh, not uh, cheap to do this, but as I have been single all my life, I'm, I, there are times in my life that I look ahead and for long-term care I did, uh, as I saw what happened to my mom who had Alzheimer and where uh, my sister-in-law took quite a bit care of her. So I didn't have this, uh, I don't have this actually while I'm living here in the United States. So I don't have that network. So I have to take care of me. So what if, uh, would you suggest if people say they can't afford it? Well, that's a good question. And uh, many people are not going to be able to afford it. So here's two or three ways that you can deal with this. First of all, downsize. Move from a big house that's expensive Right now, we have the highest values of homes in the United States, so it, it would be a good vet time to sell. Mm -hmm. and you yeah. Take your profits and buy a smaller place and keep the rest for your when you need care and put it in a safe place. I recommend a safe annuity 
that grows at five or six or seven percent, but you would never lose a penny of that. So that would be a safe place. Another is to get a reverse mortgage on your home. One of the people living in the home has to be 65, but the government regulates these. And so these are good ways to be able to get money to be able to have uh, care in your home or go to assisted living. A third way, which people don't like, is to go the poverty route, which is Medicaid, not Medicare, but Medicaid. And that means your earnings, your income every month is very small. And then you can qualify for Medicaid. One of the things is the family's husband and wife have a lot of assets. The man typically can move his assets over to the wife and hope that he lives, I think it's five or eight years. It's called a look back. And then he can qualify for Medicaid. You would need a Medicaid lawyer or elder care lawyer to help you set that up. Uh, the government doesn't like people trying to mm -hmm. uh, get around loopholes. And the other thing is when you're in your 30s and 40s, start an emergency fund. It's not something you use to buy a new flashy car or to take an expensive vacation. It's emergency fund is for real emergencies going through the rest of your life, particularly at the end of your life. And that money, if it's compounding, you know, compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. When it's compounding, it can grow to several hundred thousand dollars, which would help you pay for care. So those are several ideas, Maria, that people can do. They're not just cut off because they think they can't afford long-term care. Uh, excellent. Uh, that uh, has some really valuable tips here. I mean, the emergency fund, uh, there are many financial advisors there who talk about that. If you look at uh, Susie Orman or um, uh, Ramsey, I forgot his first name, um, they will all say get an emergency fund and get it as, uh, as soon as you start a family uh, or before that even, make sure that you have set money aside that you can use for real emergency. And a real emergency is uh, when there is something happening to your life. And, and, and not like you say, when you need a new car or um, something to do, get a new kitchen. You know, that are not the, the, the funds that you need to use for that. I also think um, they are reasonable to do. I'm, Downsizing in retirement is definitely something, especially now at this moment, that is a, a great idea because A, it gives you less responsibilities and less to take care of. And um, as you say, if you, you will have money left uh, even after you buy maybe a smaller place that you can use, that you can invest again in, and I, I, I like to look more into the annuity because I didn't do that for myself yet. So that's something I have a big circle around here that I need to do for me to see how I, uh, how I can um, get something like that for my own uh, future. So 
yes, that are really, really, really great tips about um, important questions about finances when we retire. So, Carol, um, in closing, what words of wisdom do you have for our listeners today that uh, have uh, you seen over the last, over your 46 years, helping people with financial security? What would you, uh, what you say? Well, you know, I really think that the best thing you can do is have an annual review. Take advantage of the annual review that an insurance agent that you have will give you or that your investment advisor should give you or your lawyer. Get a review every year and see where you are. Our lives are changing so fast that you really need to review these things. And uh, that is especially important as you get toward retirement. Another thing is that you and your spouse should have a monthly business meeting that you sit down and review the income that's coming in, what your debts and your savings, and re-look at your budget and say, are we still on track? With inflation right now, things are crazy. So you do need to be making some adjustments in your budget. You know, the thing that really gives me great uh, pause or it peeves me off, I guess, is that people don't take action. Particularly uh, if, a, if a spouse dies, the others have that rule, oh, I'll wait a year. Well, they wait a year before they make a decision. Then they wait two years, three years. And they talk about lost opportunity. They have lost a lot of ability to use their financial picture. So one of the things I've done to help people take action is I created a five-minute quiz. Anybody can do a five-minute quiz that helps them know where they are with their finances. And Maria, if your listeners will go to this website, write it down, Smart Money Quizzes. Let me say that again, Smart Money Quizzes. That's Q-U-I-Z-Z-E-S, two Z's.com. They'll be able to take this five minute quiz. It'll prioritize what your concerns are, what are things that are good in your finances. And then you'll get a one page report on that. And I would love to follow up with you. And because your listeners, I think, are real committed to their finances, when you do that, uh, program that quiz, I will send those of you who do it a one page emergency contact sheet. It's got a big red banner across it, red ink. I put it on my refrigerator. I carry it, fold it up in my wallet in case there was some kind of an emergency. People could easily find who my contact people were. So that's my gift to your listeners for hanging in with us on this uh, wonderful podcast. And I thank you for inviting me to share these ideas. Um, no, I am very appreciative that you shared all your knowledge and experience with me and with the listeners. And I hope and I'm uh, uh, sure that there was something in this for everybody who listened 
that you maybe had not heard of before or that now you heard it again and maybe now it's a good time to take action so and i wanted to uh, I, I, I just have a little book here in front of me and it says don't wait for a light to appear at the end of the tunnel try down there and light the bloody thing yourself take action it's from sarah henderson which is an Australian station manager and writer, but her words resonate a lot with me. So don't wait, but take action. Do the thing yourself, even if you know it's far on the horizon. Um, it, it, it will happen maybe sometime. No, don't wait for it to happen. Carol, um, I loved our conversation today. Thank you for being on this podcast. Thank you. I've enjoyed it very much. Yes. So listeners, this is the end for today of this podcast. As you know, every last Wednesday of the month, I will publish a new podcast. So listen again next month on the last Wednesday and there will be a new podcast with somebody else talking about a topic that hopefully helps you to plan and prepare for your retirement. So, and I just want to repeat here one more time. If you are retiring this year or maybe that last year and you have not prepared for the changes in this chapter of life, but would like it to make the best time of your life, then I invite you to join my 90-day group program, which is called Next Chapter Roadmap, and that will start in August. So if this resonates with you, then please send an email to maria at marialukassenhq for more details. Ha. And if you like this podcast, and you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or any other channel, please rate this podcast as high with a five star so more people will find it, more people will listen to it. Thank you all for tuning in and I'll talk again with you in about another four weeks. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Women Seeking Blissful Retirement. Your host, Maria Lukasen, will return with another show on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll help you enjoy better retirement.